This is Voices of COVID-19. I'm Brian Lucas. Thanks for joining us. To say a lot has happened since our last episode would be an understatement. We elected a new president and hopefully ushered in a new era of respect for science, evidence, data, public health. We've had a number of promising reports on possible COVID vaccines and may be looking at the beginning of vaccine distribution even by the end of this year. Unfortunately, one thing that hasn't changed is the grim day-to-day reality of this pandemic. 60 million cases around the world, nearly 12 and a half million cases in the United States where nearly 260,000 people have died. In the middle of all of this, trying desperately to stem the tide of this virus, are our healthcare workers. When we talk about COVID fatigue and we say we're tired of wearing masks and social distancing, we need to think about those on the front lines who willingly put on PPE every day and provide care and comfort to people who are isolated and in many cases fighting for their lives. Healthcare workers are fatigued and they're ready for COVID to be gone, but they also know that they have no choice but to keep going and see if they can help even one more patient survive. Among the long list of heroes in this pandemic are travel nurses. These are nurses who sign up to get sent to locations where they're needed the most. Right now, that means they're willingly traveling to COVID hotspots. When the pandemic started, Brooke Hansen was working as a nurse in Arizona. But as she watched the cases start to explode in the East Coast, she decided she needed to help. She signed up as a travel nurse and was sent to New Jersey to work in a COVID hospital. Right now, she's in Seattle, watching the numbers once again start to rise. To talk about her experiences, I'm pleased to welcome Brooke Hansen. Brooke, thanks for joining me today. Of course, it's my pleasure. Can you take me back to what seems like forever ago for all of us and probably more forever ago for you to the beginning of this pandemic and tell me about where you were working as a nurse then and what led you to start working with COVID patients? So I worked on a medical surgical floor at a hospital in Arizona. I live there. I own a home there. Back in March, the hospital stopped doing elective surgeries. So they would cancel our shifts. So instead of being able to go to work and help with this pandemic, I was sitting at home on the couch and watching the news and just seeing all these people suffering, needing help. And I just thought it was silly that I'm an able-bodied worker. I don't have any kids or anything that would prevent me from going to help. So I told my boss and I left in about, I think it was like 72 hours, I decided to go, signed a contract and was on a plane. So I have to ask, what part of you thought, I need to be there, I need to be a part of this? Because I think a lot of people would think, wow, thank God that's there and I'm not in the middle of it. You know, I think it's a mix of different things. I think first and foremost, anyone in the healthcare setting makes a choice every day to come to work to help people. And I remember when I graduated nursing school, we set an oath that we're always going to do no harm and help others. And that's, you know, why I wanted to be a nurse is to help people who really need help. I was a nurse. And, you know, all over the news, it was posted, we need nurses, we need help. And it just made sense to me that I needed to go. My faith, I think, gave me a little push as well. Like, I just 
you know, when you just have like that voice in your head, like that you should do something that was truly, I think the Holy Spirit encouraging me to go. So, so then you find yourself on the way to New Jersey. What was going through your mind? Because at that point we knew that it was a pandemic, the cases were spreading, but we didn't know as much about the virus then and how to keep ourselves safe and the safeguards that needed to happen. What was going through your mind as you were traveling there and thinking what the challenge was going to be before you? Gosh, it seems so long ago, but from what I can remember, I was very nervous. Nursing is a stressful job and you know, you are constantly stressed out at work. So I was nervous I was going to be out of my element with other nurses who don't know me, who don't know that I am a decent nurse. You know, I feel like I'm a good nurse and I'm just going to be really out of my element. Of course, I was nervous that there wasn't going to be enough personal protective equipment. So I did bring some things that I had scoundered up. A lot of friends and family were, you know, giving me masks and things like that to bring with me just in case there was not a supply. But honestly, it sounds crazy. I was really at at peace with going over there. I just felt like it was exactly what I was supposed to do. And I was totally comfortable with going. And And then you got there. And what was the expectation versus the reality when you first walked in officially on duty? I didn't really think too much about what it was gonna be like. I knew that it was gonna be bad. I knew that like I might see unsafe ratios, a nurse to patient ratios, I might not have PPE, I might be working long shifts. I guess that was my expectation maybe. I had set myself up for the worst. And then the reality when I got there We did get a day of orientation. So I got one day to do all the technical stuff, get certified with their special machines and just the paperwork side of it, I guess. And then my second day, I showed up to the unit that I was going to be assigned to. And first thing I noticed was we had PPE. So that wasn't a problem. It was definitely scarce and not the standard, but we we were protected. And then I think the reality, sorry, sometimes I still get a little emotional talking about it because I don't, I don't think that anyone sets the expectation that they're going to see people die or experience uh, death so much. I, I mean, we see that obviously in our profession, but I think the very first day I was on the unit it was very apparent that a lot of people were not going to make it through it. And I think that was definitely a reality I was not expecting to have to deal with, which seems silly because we I know we saw it all over the news, but it's a little different when, when it's right in front of your face. There are a lot of us even today who don't really understand the severity of what you walked into. And at that point, it was still something that everyone was discovering together, I think. So that had to be a hard adjustment. And I'm sure those first few days had to be just exhausting. How did you make it through those first few days? I'm not sure. I think the biggest thing was the the support around us. Like We had no one else to lean on really, but each other. So, you know, a lot of People would go home to their families and things like that. But I was working long hours, so I would just 
go home and sleep and wake up and do a devotional and pray and then head back into it. So I think it wasn't until about a month in that I was really being hit with exhaustion and the severity of what was going on. Do you think that to some extent there's even sort of an adrenaline that kicked in to help people through that initial phase to help keep you going? Because I don't know how everybody seemed to be able to rise to the occasion in such a taxing physical and emotional time. Yeah. In healthcare, we do work long shifts. I think it's easier for us because we always know there's going to be like a rest period. Like we're going to work this high level for so long and then we'll get a few days of rest. And the healthcare workers, we're just starting to get taxed after so long because we're like, when is this going to end? I think the emotional side of it was really taxing too. So Something that I hear a lot from people who work in the COVID units is talk about isolation and the difficulty of seeing patients that are so isolated from their families, but then also for the nurses to not have the same freedom to go in and out of rooms and that kind of thing. Did that strike you? And how did that hit you when you realized that that was sort of a defining characteristic of COVID? It's really hard. I mean, these people are already hurting so much you know, they're isolated from their family. There's so much fear. Like, I couldn't even explain to you the fear that you can just feel it and you can see it in these in these patients' eyes. And so, of course, the hospital is telling us, cluster your care. That way we're not wasting PPE and you're preventing exposure and all of these things. But it's hard. Like, these people are human beings and they're alone and they're scared. And so we did our best. I definitely went into the rooms as much as I possibly could. And obviously if something was happening, I I would go into the rooms, but I think the most important thing I try to do is just to spend time in the room. When I was in there, I'm already exposed and I'm already using the PPE. So I just tried to spend as much time with them and not be on my computer in the room or just listening to them, listening to their fears, trying to get them the ability to connect with family members at home, whether that was um, showing them how to use our phone or bringing in an iPad so that they could FaceTime with their family, just trying to like be their family and connect them with their family, I guess. But isolation definitely was taking a toll on the patients. And on the nurses, I would go home to an empty room and be alone. <laughs> when you're a traveling nurse, you you were taken away from your natural support system that you have at home. I would think that going home and feeling that isolation would be a whole nother challenge that you had to deal with. How did you handle that? I had such a great support system. I got so many care packages and so many people checking up on me and my church was behind me praying for me. So I I knew I had all that support. But I think being, like you said, out of my element, not in my own home, it allowed me to really feel what these patients are feeling. I was alone. No one wanted to be around me. If you like went out in public, you know, just for a walk to get some fresh air, if if you were wearing scrubs, that was pretty much like a death sentence, like stay away from her. She's infected. 
you know, that kind of feeling. So I think in the beginning, it was like that too, for these patients. So I was able to, I think it just really helped me feel how they're feeling and uh, empathize with them. Was it scary for you also? Were you worried about your, your own health and perhaps, you know, contracting the virus yourself? A lot of other people around me were scared because they're, you know, there was older workers or maybe they live in on the East Coast. A lot of people live with like elderly family members and and things like that. So there was a lot of fear. Me personally, I was not afraid, but I was cautious. I've talked to some people who some healthcare workers who said they actually felt more vulnerable when they had to go to the grocery store. Is that true with you? That is totally accurate. And like, even once I returned back from the East Coast and my, my friends and family around me, then I'm like, we're more protected at work because we know it's, it's all about knowledge, right? I know that this person has COVID or this person doesn't. And I take the proven precautions to go see the COVID patient. I know I'm protected versus out in the grocery store. Well, you don't know who touched this or if that person that just walked by you, you know, you don't know. So how long were you in New Jersey? What was the reason that all of a sudden you were able to leave? I was there for eight weeks. The reason I was able to leave, long story short, I ended up taking a leave of absence at my job. So when that eight weeks was over, I returned back to Arizona for their surge. Oh, so your timing was... Impeccable. <laughs> yes. Impeccable. Was part of you maybe frustrated that like you finally get out of New Jersey, you helped so much there, and you get back to Arizona, and maybe you wanted a break from COVID? Like maybe it was maybe you wanted to take some time and breathe and not be around it. And lo and behold, you walked right back into another surge. What was that like mentally for you? Definitely not the situation I wanted to be walking into. And I think it was really hard for me. Um, I remember, you know, coming back and all my coworkers are like wanting to know, like, what was it like? And like, I just wasn't ready to share. Hadn't really dealt with like my emotions and everything that had that had happened and things that I had seen in New Jersey. And then I have to, you know, emotionally muster up the, I don't know, the courage and the energy to go back into into COVID in Arizona. So I was definitely disappointed and exhausted and like everyone else was ready for it to be over. But I think that was really the realization when I knew that this is going to be around for a long time. So you you helped out with the surge in Arizona and then you decided that you wanted to become a full-time travel nurse. Why? Yeah. Yeah. What, what motivated you? I know that's what a lot of people have been telling me, like, what the heck? Why would you want to travel, especially at a time like this? I think there's a lot of different factors. I enjoyed all of the people that I've worked with worked with in Arizona and I, I loved that job, but I just felt like I could learn and grow my skill set more by traveling around to different hospitals, seeing what they're doing, seeing how things work. I mean, it's a cool way to travel too, although during this time, obviously, you can't really do anything, but it's still a cool way to see the country and do something crazy. I'm young and single and I have no children, so it just seems like the perfect time, like kind of like now or never. <laughs> but you knew when you 
when you decided to dedicate yourself to being a travel nurse, you knew that you were going to be sent into COVID hotspots for a while now, right? And so some part of you must feel and understand the real benefit and need of what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that nurses are compassionate people. And I just remember all of the people, not all of them, but a majority of people that I've had the opportunity to hopefully touch their lives. And I don't know, I guess, I guess I never thought about it that way. Like when you're telling me, oh, you're going into COVID hotspots now. I'm not taking care of COVID all the time here. It's much less. Uh, we're having, a, I'm in Seattle right now and we are having like a little surge, but it's not enough where I'm taking care of COVID full time. But I, I don't know. I just want to help people. At this point, we're obviously as a nation, we're, we're seeing a, another massive surge. And there's a lot of talk about COVID fatigue and people you know, getting tired of isolation, getting tired of wearing masks, getting tired of social distancing. As a nurse who has been in the thick of this, if anybody should have COVID fatigue, it should be you. What are your thoughts about this whole idea of COVID fatigue where we, and where we stand right now? COVID fatigue is absolutely a real thing in both my personal and my professional life. I mean, as a healthcare worker, I, I know that, you know, staying home prevents the spread, wearing masks, we've seen it prevent the spread. So it's like, I know that as a healthcare worker, but I'm also a person. And so I totally get, yeah, we're tired of staying home. We want to do things. We want to see our friends and family. So I think I see COVID fatigue on on both sides of my life. Is there something that you would say to people who are exhausted to help them understand what's at stake? Because it, even though the numbers are so high, I think there are a lot of people who still have not seen COVID up close and personal, and they may not understand what it's really like. so hard because in this world, you know, we've all seen it. Like, it's become more than just a disease. It's become, it's been politicized. It's been, you know, twisted this, that way, and the other. And so it's hard to even, like, speak on this without thinking, oh, someone's going to think I have an agenda here, you know? The main thing that I remind myself, because trust me, I get I get tired too. I'm like, oh, I want to do this. Like, as long as I'm wearing a mask, you know, it's fine. I think that you as a person need to assess your risks and the risks of the people around you. Just remember that even though you may not directly be affected by COVID, I guarantee you that someone very close to you has lost a loved one or lost a job or, you know, has been impacted severely, severely by this virus. I think that was one thing when I came back from New Jersey to Arizona, the tone was just different because in New Jersey, you couldn't meet one person who didn't have someone die from COVID someone they directly knew die from COVID. And in Arizona, that was a completely opposite case. You know, like very few people knew what it was like. And so I think it's just important that we remember to be good human beings and we need to respect each other's opinions and emotions because people have died from this and people, you know, this this holiday season will not get to spend Christmas or Thanksgiving with that loved one that's no longer with us. So. Just be good people. <laughs> yeah. 
That's actually a really good reminder because I think so many people are thinking, well, it's not fair that I can't see my loved ones on Thanksgiving. And what you just reminded me is there are hundreds of thousands of people who wouldn't have that option anyway because they've lost a loved one. Yeah. Are there ways that that you feel this experience working with COVID patients has changed you as a nurse? Yes. I realize so much more about like mental health, the mental health aspect of it. You're talking about so many people who were isolated in a hospital for gosh, 30, 60, 90, 100 days, you know, it takes a big mental health toll on on these patients and on the, on the healthcare staff as well. So uh, how COVID has changed me, I guess, I've really taken more focus on my mental health and the mental health of my patients and realizing that that's just an important aspect as physical as well. I think healthcare is going to be forever changed from this. And I think a lot of doctors and hospitals have learned quite a few lessons on you know, what it means to take care of, a, you know, a pandemic. You know, I think a lot of healthcare workers in their lifetime haven't seen something like this. So I think it's a huge lesson. I know there have been a lot of difficult moments throughout all of this. I can't even imagine the uh, experiences you've had. Are there moments of hope or inspiration from your work? There are, but I think in the specific section that I work on, we, we have to create a lot of those hope moments. The type of nursing I do is called medical surgical. So I'm not in an ICU. What we see and what we were seeing with COVID patients was if they were going downhill quickly, we were intubating them and sending them to the ICU. And we really didn't get to know what was happening to so many of these people. So we would have to hear it from word of mouth or from other nurses like, hey, did you hear this This patient discharged or, you know, someone that we all remembered. So those were moments of hope that we would have to create for ourselves and, you know, try to have that one moment of hope make up for the so many moments of sadness that we were feeling. But on Facebook, one of the hospitals that the hospital I was working at in New Jersey had posted a video of their, I believe it was their thousandth COVID discharge. And um, that video, I remember just being like, yes, like we're doing it. A thousand patients we've discharged with COVID. Like, that's amazing. We are making a difference. So that would, that I say was like a huge moment of hope. So then how do you feel when you see the numbers now? I have to be honest, like I'm not a huge news follower anymore. It's just um, mentally and emotionally exhausting for me. And I just go by what I notice around me. And we've definitely had more COVID patients at the hospital I'm at in Seattle. So, you know, the numbers are definitely going up and they've shut the city down again and increased a lot of restrictions. So, you know, it just... I guess I'm kind of gearing up like, okay, here we go again. <laughs> what are you most looking forward to in a post-COVID world when, you're, when your life gets back to normal? Are there certain things that you're really kind of holding out there as goals or moments that you are really looking forward to? I am looking forward to the day that I get report on my patient coming up from the emergency room and they're not having to tell me if they're COVID positive or negative. That seems like something that would indicate a lot. Yes, that is the whole focus 
you know, right now in, in healthcare, they, you know, do they have COVID? Because we've even, you know, had patients who weren't, didn't come in for symptoms, but we test them in the emergency department before they get admitted and they ended up being COVID positive. So, Well, I hope that we can get there, you know, sooner than later. But I also wish you all the strength in the world and safety in the world to get through this next surge. Stay safe and, and try to recover from this the best that you can. Thank you so much. Voices of COVID-19 is an attempt to document the thoughts and feelings of people who are perhaps outside the limelight to get personal reflections on how a pandemic impacts all of our lives. If you know of someone who might make a good guest on this podcast, please send them to me at brian at truevoicecommunications.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay separate, and wear a mask, and we'll get through this together. Thank you.